My grief this morning is that this is my last morning chapel with you. I love being with you and I mean that sincerely. I just am energized by being in your presence. I feel your good spirit. Uh, I feel you're leaning in and it means a lot to me. It's very encouraging. So I wanna ask you if you would, if we can read this together, what's on the screen. Ready, go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm wondering if there's anybody else in here besides me who has a thing about getting a word for the year. Anybody? Anybody got a thing for getting a word for the year? Anybody bold enough to call out your word for this year? Trust, that's a good one. Sigma, that's cool, okay. I wanna know about that afterwards, Sigma. Was there somebody else you said? Diligence, I like that word. Your teachers like that word a lot. That's good. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm a fan of that practice. Um, there's a lot to be said for taking time to listen for where God's leading you over a season. And, I, you know, I think it helps us to be more intentional, both in our listening and in our walking it out. So I'm a fan of it. I've been doing it since before I was a Christian. So I have to tell you about the first time I claimed a word over the years, sort of a phrase really more than a word. I was in college at the time. And on that particular New Year's Eve, I was in a Waffle House in the early hours of the morning. And I thought it was brilliant to proclaim the year ahead as the year of the Waffle House. I was, I'm sure I was very loud about it when I did it. Um, and I was so impressed with myself that uh, for, the, for the next year, I claimed that the year of the Waffle House, too. <laughs> then I became a Christian, and then a pastor, and I discovered that even though my life had changed pretty dramatically, this was still a way God was speaking to me. And so maybe, not for everyone, but for me, it's very much a prophetic thing. So I kept the practice going. Somewhere around September or October, every year, I will begin to reflect on the year we've had, and I'll start to spend time thinking about the year ahead often. In fact, almost always, God will give me a word somewhere in the fall. And it comes to me as a very strong impression of where God wants to lead us. And it acts almost like a banner over the year ahead. And usually, I will preach on that word at the first of the year. And I'll use it as a guide for the congregation I serve and the ministries we do. So, so that's how it was in 2022. Not last year, but the year before. In the fall of that year, I began to listen, like I always do. But I didn't get a word. Nothing rose to the surface. Nothing stood, stood out. September passed. October passed. It was late in the year, early December, when I finally heard it. And the word I got was freedom. And full disclosure, I did not trust that as a word from the Lord. For some reasons I won't go into, it just seemed too much to me like a softball word. It's too trendy, like it belonged on a bracelet or a tattoo, but not over my year. Because the fact was, we as a church were going through some things and we were on track to enjoy some significant positive changes, things that would very much be classified as freedom, and those plans were already in place, so this word felt more like Holy Carolyn than Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like I was coaching God. 
But then some things happened that pulled everything we were planning apart at the seams. And all of a sudden, freedom in the way I envisioned it seemed very unlikely. Again, no details, but what happened to us in my church and in other churches, what happened to us was a gut punch. Nothing we deserved. It knocked the wind out of us at my church. And, and what was crazy was after that, I, I, after I got my feet back under me, I remembered that word, freedom. And, and that word that had felt so much like a softball word when I first heard it. It went from being a done deal to being, well, I'm not actually sure I can describe how it felt to me in those days when our plans had fallen apart, when we had no idea how our circumstances would work out. It felt like, this is what it felt like, it felt like someone had chased us into an alleyway, and when we got there, we realized it was a dead-end alleyway, walls on all sides, no way out. But there on that back wall, someone had spray-painted the word freedom. And every time I looked at that word, Standing in that dark place in my spirit, I could hear God say, trust this, trust this. So that word wasn't a softball anymore. It was a hardcore promise, the kind you have to decide to stand on, not by feelings, but by faith, when nothing in the circumstances supported it. Trust this. Not just... Trust that someday, somehow, you'll understand why things turned out the way they did and not just figure it out and learn how to live with it. No, it was trust this like it is a promise, like it is a done deal, a prophetic word with power spoken over this year by a God who knows how to to jump over walls and sometimes blast through them. That's what that word felt like At about this time last year, when things in my community were stressed to the breaking point, at the same time you guys were going through an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we were going through an incredible battle. But even when there was no light in that alleyway and I was staring at walls, I kept seeing that word, literally, like it was spray-painted on the back end of of the alley. I kept hearing, trust this. Trust freedom. There were times I would cling to it and I would pray like crazy it was real and that God would be faithful. And I have to tell you, what you were experiencing here last year while I was experiencing what I was experiencing there, it was a huge encouragement to us in Georgia when things felt so dark. It was a grace to know that God was moving somewhere. And let me say again, this whole story isn't about our particular circumstances. That's why I'm not sharing them. This is about faith in God's ability to speak a new word. And let me say again, I I don't know if I've ever had to practice so much faith in a word like that before. We all say, we believe that, that Jesus speaks and we trust that he speaks to us personally But it's hard to trust a word, especially when everything in your life feels so contrary to that word, isn't it? Can I get an amen? So as the year went on and our circumstances seemed to go from bad to worse, we got stuck in this rough place. And I began to sense more and more that God was asking me to claim that word, freedom, 
as a promise and to walk in faith toward it. And I got to tell you, that was a crazy hard exercise, crazy hard. Are you sure, Carolyn? Are you sure enough of how things will turn out that you can walk this out and even testify to how, even when it's hard to trust a word, we can trust it? No. <laughs> I'm not sure at all. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That was a really deep end walk of faith for me. But now, with all of it behind me, I can testify to what God has done. The most unlikely things have happened. And what looked like a complete implosion of our plan has turned out to be a miracle story. Things happened that nobody, nobody expected. And today we find ourselves on the other side of that trial with exactly one word that accurately describes where we are. And I'll give you one guess about what that one word is. Freedom. Yeah. It turns out this word, freedom, is no softball word. This word, has, as, a, as a promise, has stretched me. It has asked me to decide what I really think about what Jesus said when he said, when the sun sets you free, you are free. Because, of course, the ultimate freedom is not from circumstances, but from those internal alleyways, those dark places where we feel spiritually stuck. We get emotionally sort of, sort of back-ended into, an, into a dead end. And it's those places where we have no other choice but to trust. And that's not a choice we want. We don't want trust. We want certainty, right? <laughs> But God is not as interested in certainty as he is in faith. Let me say that again, because you probably need to write this down. God is not as interested in certainty as he is in faith. Do I really believe we are free? I mean, not just from our circumstances, that's shallow and stuff, actually, but free in Christ? That my whole life and everything in it lives under a banner of freedom? Do I really believe that in the parts of my life that aren't under that banner, do I really believe God can speak freedom into those places, can speak that word and then make it happen? Can I really be free from all inside of me that has me feeling stuck? Can I be free from anxious living? Free to pursue healing, free to love, free to experience real joy and deep peace and to live it like I actually am free. Can I take that word, which is, is I get it, it was my word over my life and my church last year, but it is Christ's word over every life, every day when we claim him as Savior. Do I really believe that I can walk out a freedom life even when I don't always see it or feel it as a reality. Do I really believe that? Do you? We can say we do, but you know. I mean, maybe I can only speak for myself here. I'm not always so sure, but I think I finally get it, that walking in freedom is, a, is an act of faith that breeds faith, and faith is an incredible force that actually breeds more freedom. Faith actually breeds more freedom. To believe that when the sun sets you free, you are 
free. That's a faith statement. To take God at his word and believe he is good for it, that takes faith. Do you believe, really believe, that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free? This is what I've wanted to come and tell you this week. I think it's, I think it's a kind of a strange word to bring, but it's a word I just sense so strongly that God had for us. That if Jesus has set you free, then you are free, even if you are having to walk it out. In fact, this word freedom may be the promise that gets you, you, to the other side of your heart. And, and in fact, walking it out may actually be part of the freedom package because walking it out is what breeds more faith. So this morning, I want to run quickly over three things God sets us free from. We talked about these Monday night, but I want all of you to get these three things, even if you weren't there. And then I want to talk about three things he sets us free to. What does Jesus give us freedom from? What does he give us freedom to? So let's start with the from side of that equation. For starters, God offers freedom from bad religion and the pressure to be perfect. Thanks be to God. We said on Monday night that bad religion, the way it's most often lived out, is not some prosperity gospel preacher with a jet and a girl on the side. That's not bad religion, that's fallen humanity. Bad religion, according to Paul, is refusing to deal with our own fear of freedom by nursing broken patterns of thinking like perfectionism and judgmentalism and fearful overfunctioning. So we learn that bad religion is not the opposite of perfect behavior. Bad religion is the opposite of grace. And grace is risky because we have to believe it accepts us before we've done anything, before we've done anything, that we are free not because of anything we've done, but for no other reason but so we can be free. Because free is how God designed us. Jesus also sets us free from trying harder and the terrible burden of guilt. Nothing churns up empty guilt better than a try harder mentality. Also, nothing churns up empty anxiety than a try harder mentality. But Paul would have us here that trying harder and churning up that empty guilt, that empty anxiety is exactly what Jesus came to set us free from. So what are you dragging around that Jesus died for? What expectations are you placing on yourself or placing on others that have nothing to do with biblical freedom? And then this is a really good one. Jesus sets us free from chaos and the sin that causes it. Christian freedom is not a free-for-all. It is freedom from sin that breeds chaos. Write this down if you haven't already. Sin breeds chaos. You need to write that down and put it on your bathroom mirror or make it your screensaver. Sin breeds chaos. So Jesus came to set us free, not just from sin, but from the chaos it creates in our lives. And these are just some of the things Jesus came to set us free from. And a freedom from life is an awesome relief from, a, from needless pain. But listen, saying no to your demons, we talked about this Monday morning, is only half the equation. Yes, we need freedom from fear, from spiritual laziness, from personal sin, from anger, from pessimism. You fill in the blank with your numbing habit. Whatever has us spiritually sick. 
But we do the greatest disservice to Christianity when we make it only a list of things we have to stop doing in order to get out of hell. Eventually, we have to move on from a freedom from life to focusing on a freedom to life, which is all about creating. And this is where we get to dream about what's on the other side of that wall, at the end of that dead-end alley. What does Jesus give us freedom to? We get freedom to dream about being free to love, free to choose. We, we, we talked about that last night, free to explore, free to fail. Yes, we are free to fail without it being a, a zero-sum game. Thanks be to God. Free to heal, free to trust. Paul invites us into this freedom life in his letter to the Galatians. Paul would tell him, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then if you skip down to verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge to the flesh. No, use it to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping that one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you believe, if you, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh Desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and then he names them. And then he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. This is a freedom to life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's no law against that stuff. You are free to do that as much as you want. Paul ends with this. Since we live by the Spirit, let's just keep in step with the Spirit. Become, don't come conceited. Just keep in step with the Spirit. He has one overarching point to make here. And it is that authentic freedom is completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. That without being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, we cannot know freedom. Paul wants to make sure we know this, that we hear it, that Spirit-filled living is a constant clinging to the Spirit. And if we do that, then and only then will we be free to love. So we have freedom to love and to appreciate holy boundaries. Paul says this a lot, that the mark of true freedom is a supernatural ability to love. To be able to love in the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole law, Paul says, is fulfilled, is built on this. I want you to read this together again. Let's read this together again. Go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to insult the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
which means we are free. We're just not free to do as we please because not everything we do will result in the love of Jesus being poured out into the world. So our freedom is bound by holy love, spirit-led, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So only in the spirit are we free to love. Paul tells us too, it's the most fundamental boundary is the boundary of forgiveness. People who walk in the Spirit are called to give and receive forgiveness. This is a way that we love people. Not as if it's been drug out of us, but as if it overflows from us, as if it comes to us as freedom and as a non-negotiable. Because it's true, you cannot walk in love and in forgiveness at the same time. The Spirit won't allow it. I have a friend who says, even the wounded soldier has a choice about whether or not to love the one who has shot him. I hate when my friend says stuff like that. (laughs) But he's right. In every relationship, we have a choice. So not only do we have freedom to love, but we also have freedom to choose and to accept holy options. I want to share something I've learned about the will of God. I used to think the will of God was like one of those circus performers who stood at the top of a 60-foot foot pole about to dive into a bucket of water. You know, you get, the bucket of water is this big, and it won't go well for him if he misses, so he better get it exactly right. Now, I think the will of God is not a bucket at the bottom of a 60-foot drop. There's a sh- it's, it's more like a swimming pool. There's a shallow end and a deep end, but wherever you jump in, you'll get wet. The only way to be outside of the will of God is to stay dry. So listen, we have options. We have freedom to choose among holy options to live our lives creatively and joyfully for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. We who walk in the Spirit are not left flailing around or paralyzed or trying to guess God's right answer about everything. We are free to dream with him, to get in the pool, to get out of our own heads, to really love other people, to think creatively with God about what healing might look like in my life, in our skin. Isn't that a beautiful option? So you have freedom to heal and to get out of your own head. Is there anybody else here who would like just for five minutes to get out of your own head? This is what Jesus loves to do. Healing is the stuff he did. It was the center of his mission statement and at the center of his ministry. So this morning, that's where I want to invite you. I just want to invite you to get out of your head and into the healing waters of God. To begin to think just for a minute, just for a minute, what would it be like if, rather than claiming all my defects as my identity, I claim freedom as my promise. What if, instead of claiming my defects as my identity, I claim freedom as my promise? It may mean that I have to walk it out. Things don't generally happen overnight, every once in a while, but not often. But what if you began to walk in freedom. If you don't already have a word for the year, what if you grab that one? So stand with me. Lord Jesus, this is my prayer 
for every person in this room that the gift of freedom, the spirit of freedom, the joy of freedom would fall on us right here, right now, just fall on us. That it would fall on us not so much as just a, a sort of worship service posture, but it would fall on us as a life posture. Pray, God, that someone in this space this morning would claim freedom, would choose that as a way of being, as a way of walking in the Spirit. So you have this opportunity right now to respond if you'd like to respond physically. The altar is here. You guys know exactly how all this works. You can turn to the person next to you and just ask them to pray with you. You guys are so good at that. I mean, better than the average, I got to tell you. Just turn and ask somebody to pray with you. And this is what I want to be set free from. This is what I want to be set free to. This is, this is your time, your opportunity. My prayer for you is so you walk out of here with an experience of walking in freedom.